When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode, we continue our conversation of Final Fantasy Tactics. When last we left our heroes, we were sort of wandering about the countryside of Ivalice in a way that you almost certainly wouldn't do when actually experiencing the story of this game. We're running through a series of side quests and largely optional missions that are still really interesting and we find worth talking about but we didn't want to end on them as we said last episode we want to make sure that as we get to the end game now we can go through it sort of beat for beat in a linear way right up until the end of the story and so while you would probably do a lot of these things at various different times and and us doing them here is odd for pacing and I know that and I this blows my mind that there are people in the Discord and stuff who are listening to this and getting the story of Final Fantasy Tactics for the first time from this podcast. Yeesh. I hope we're doing it justice, because my goodness. I there's know, a, right? There's a lot here, right? Yeah. And and we certainly haven't been able to cover it all. But, you know, this, so this is a, a bunch of things that we're consolidating here and putting together so that when we can get back to... Uh, the main story quest, if this were an MMO, it, it can be much more straightforward. As straightforward as it can be, because there's a lot going on in this story. Last time, we met Cloud from a different dimension and Aerith and ran through that whole strange story. And Cloud became the most recent in a series of companions from across dimensions and from this one, an ever-growing cast of light warriors, though they're never called that in this game, joining the cause, right? One of whom was a person named Beowulf, who, yes, has the same name as, as the great legend and may or may not be related to or a, an alternate version of. And also the, at first, dragon, and then after, you know, we saved her woman, Beowulf's love, Reese, And... Having met them, they had unveiled a bit of their story to us and we'd gone through that, but there was a, a bit left to get into with these two. And so we pick up there. So it's worth noting that Beowulf's class is Templar. And remember, we're, we're at odds with most of the, the Templar order, right? Right. And so we get a scene between Reese and Beowulf and she says, you have forfeited so much, even now you bear the heretic's brand. And Beowulf is like, nah, it's, that's not your fault. It's got nothing to do with you. It's that celibate Bremont, who's the villain here. And I'm paraphrasing, right? And so uh, they're having a, a nice moment here. 
Beowulf goes to do something, and when uh, the camera pans with him, suddenly there's a scream from off camera, and Reese is being kidnapped. There's a man here in full Templar uniform, uh, and Beowulf recognizes him as Sir Elist. Elist says, We meet again, Beowulf. I know not how you managed to free Reese of her curse, but celibate Bremont bids me extend his deepest gratitude. So apparently now that Reese is no longer a dragon, uh, celebrant Bremont is interested in her again. So uh, Elise explains that, uh, she, you know, don't worry about Reese. She's just sleeping. Uh, and when she wakes up, she'll be safely within the keep at Lionel Castle, where celebrant Bremont awaits her. So that's weird and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> the hell? So Beowulf, uh, again, knows Sir Elise, and he says... Sir Elise, wait, what has become of you? You were once my ally and hers. Why now this? Elise says, have you no knowledge of the bounty on your head? Tis some enough to make a man forget allegiance. Add Bremont's reward to that, uh, and you've won enough to make a man forsake it altogether. So apparently money can sway people from their uh, their convictions. I was going to say, we've seen a, a lot of people not living by their professed convictions in this game whether it be church people making fun of other people for believing in scripture or you know people undercutting different causes and all the backstabbing that's going on here but other than the that one company the bart trading company which was was built into their premise i think it was the first like just uber capitalist we found and it's just like i don't know whatever honor or oaths or whatever money <laughs> dollar dollar bills you know Cash rules everything around me. So Elise says, Reese will be fine until you show up. And then he, like many of our villains so far, teleports away. So Ramza and Beowulf uh, go to Lionel Castle. And Ramza, showing some insight, says, The gate stands open. I've not seen a trap so plain. It's <laughs> a little too trap. So Elise shows up, uh, and they, they, the guards rush in, and our guys fight. Beowulf says, lay aside your sword. I have no wish to fight you. And Elise uh, chooses to, to question his skill. Have you lost your edge all these years of chasing after that girl? It's with these misogynists, man. So uh, when Beowulf finally strikes down Elise, Elise admits, mayhap your edge is not lost after all. So, so Beowulf, again, you know, this was a former friend, a former colleague, and he's kind of upset. And Elise says, dwell not on this, Beowulf. My days were already at an end. Even the noble Sir Elise cannot best malady. There's that malady again. At least he seems to actually have been sick. And so maybe that's part of the reason why he was forsaking everything and just living his last days in hedonism, which... Right. Well, and so, so what he know. says... Yeah, so, so, so what he says here is, I did not die in a sickbed, succumb to weakness and infirmity. Uh, what are you doing here? Go, go and save Reese. She awaits you within. Take her and your freedom. I die now, fulfilled. Farewell, Beowulf, my lord. And, and so it seems to have been sort of like a, a con. Like he wasn't trying to, like he was trying to convince Beowulf that he really did hold, uh, you know, re really was trying to, goad him into this right but it was right. also he was sick and he didn't yeah. want to die any other way right rather by the the hand of 
a great warrior. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure how much of this is meant to be, you know, he, he was mad at Beowulf or he really was just following orders or it was just about taking the money or if he just saw it as an opportunity to have one last fight against the best warrior he knew. It's kind of murky. It's kind of up in the air. I'm sure if you read an Ultimania guide or, or if you plumb sure. the depths of the wiki, <laughs> it's, it's more clear. But I kind of I like it being a little bit ambiguous. I kind of like Beowulf yeah. not quite sure what's going on here. But I also like that Elise says, go and get her. So Celebrant Breedmont, Bremont, maybe. Maybe I'm saying his name wrong. Wow. <laughs> I'm just happy has... you had to do one of the names this time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got Reese, and he's jealous, right? He, he wanted Reese. Reese chose... Beowulf, because of course, like we mentioned last time, very Brad Pitt looking. Uh, and our heroes come in. Beowulf declares, Bremont, I come for Reese. I shall have her relinquished at once. And Bremont is, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to face this dude either. Uh, he says, Beowulf, no, come no closer. Kill them. Kill them all. You'll, you'll have whatever reward you wish. Gill or jewels, well thought to, to, to last you all your days. And the guards sort of look at each other. And look at Beowulf and like, well, maybe worth it. Maybe worth it. I don't know. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing it. I'm not there's, fighting this guy. Uh, there's that bit from Iron Man 2 where Tony finally gets his suit back and he looks at this one guard and the guard like holds his hands up and he's like, look, I don't even like working here. These guys are Yeah, weird. right. <laughs> totally. Right. I don't even like this job. <laughs> totally. So Beowulf says, you need to accept the truth. Reese does not love you nor will she ever. And Bremont says, that's not true. Reese is but deceived. It is you, your lies that blind her heart. When you are gone, it will all be different. There is not you can do that I cannot. I can buy her aught and all she wishes. She'll want for nothing. Isn't that all girls want? Is someone to buy them everything? I'm pretty sure there's a, a diamond commercial campaign. That's <laughs> yeah. very clear about it. Yeah, indeed. So Bremont chants a, a dark spell and and turns himself into a uh, a dark dragon much like reese had been transformed into a holy dragon but even that is not enough to stop beowulf and his allies of uh of, of light warriors and they dispatch him and so reese meanwhile is locked in this large room and she's staring out one of the windows as our our heroes and Ivalis so often do pensive right. into the yeah. middle distance yeah so we, we hear voices beyond, and she's not in here. Oh, there's only one more room. Let's check this one. And she sort of backs up. But it's Beowulf. And the two run to each other, and they hug, and it's very sweet. Uh, and they, they look at Ramza, and Beowulf says, Thank you, Ramza. You are the reason she is safe. We've brought naught but trouble upon you. Yet you have never failed to aid us in our plight. Ramza says, Look, I've been burned a lot of times, but I think it's the right thing to do. <laughs> That's not what he says. That's not what I have he says. a very strange superpower. He says, think not of it. What sort of man would I be to ignore those in need of my aid? Yeah. And, and so Beowulf and Reese rejoin the party. One last note on this little chapter is that, and I only knew this because, you know, we're, we're looking up a lot of this stuff, but the title of the chapter is A Voice from the Past, which I think is, again, all of these are from the War of the Lions version, which means it would have come out after Final Fantasy IX. And I think that might be a reference to a lyric in Melodies of Life. Boys from the past, joining yours and mine. 
And speaking of references to and nods to other Final Fantasy games, the next side quest mission that we're going to discuss is titled Gift of the Magi. So that's fun. And this is a a fun one. We were talking last time about the Worker 8 Construction 8 scene and some of these being, you know, more humorous and Mustadio and Ramza kind of messing around with each other and not having a lot of levity in this story. And here's another one where we can confidently say this is just a nice scene. So uh, Mustadio and Ramza go into, uh, walk into a bar. (laughs) Hey. And you can see off in one corner, Agreus is sitting by herself. And Mustadio sort of fidgets a bit, a little hemming and hawing. And Ramza says, well, are you going to give it to her or not? And Mustadio's like, what? Give her to whom? I've, I've no idea what you... Certainly, sir. I've, I've no idea. <laughs> Love it. So Ramza says, Mustadio, come on, bro. You can do it. And... <laughs> And Mustadio says, all right, all right, all right. So he uh, approaches Agraeus, uh, and he stands at her table. He says, Agraeus, I hope uh, I hope now is not a bad time. And she she looks at him and says, what, something wrong? No, no, it's just I, uh, here. And he hands her a, a little box wrapped in paper. And oh, he got her a present. It's a present. Agraeus is like, what is this? What's going on? And he said, well, I heard today was your birthday, so I... Um, well, and she takes the box and she goes, oh, yeah, it is my birthday, isn't it? I'd almost forgotten. (laughs) I love that so much. Like, I love it because it's like, on the one hand, it shows that like she obviously didn't care that much that it was her birthday. But now that she's realized and somebody has done something nice for her, she's kind of immediately into it. So she says, who told you? Was it Lavian? Was it Alicia? So Lavian and, and Alicia get a, a little Yay. shout out here. That's Yay. nice. They've been around. They've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, they have. And Mustadio, Mustadio doesn't give it up either. He doesn't say who told. Uh, he just says, well, you know, I just, I wanted to, to give you this. It isn't much. And Agraeus says, may I open it? And it's like, yeah, Agraeus, it's a present for you. That's kind of the point. <laughs> Mustadio doesn't say any of that. It's like, yes, of course. Yeah, of right. course you can open it. Uh, so she opens it and she takes out the gift and she says lip rouge, which I guess is lipstick, right? It's, it's sure, makeup yeah. for one's lips. Yeah. And Mustadio says, yeah, you know, you're always busy fighting. And, well, I know you've probably small time for such womanly things, but I thought mayhap you might like to have that. I love that he recognizes that this isn't, normally the kind of thing that she would do or like something he's seen her care about before that he goes, you know, even call it like womanly things. He says, you know, you don't normally do that stuff. And cause you're kicking ass and like, that's awesome. But I just thought maybe you might like something. And it's just, uh, it's, this is so cute. <laughs> it is. It is cute. And it has potential to be kind of weird and creepy. Like he's trying to foist, traditional femininity on her when she doesn't want it but that's not really what this is because she replies i've small time yes but i chose this life for myself it's not as though i regret it still there are times are you sure it's all right for me to have this he's like of course it is why not 
and she says, It cost a goodly amount, did it not? Surely a gift like this is wasted on a knight such as I. And he says, No, not at all. Please accept it. So she she applies the lipstick and looks at him and says, Well, and uh, Mustadio is left speechless. Mm-hmm. Pretty. Agreus says, What's wrong? Do I look odd? And he says, What? No. No, of course not. You look wonderful. Truly so. And she says, Thank you, Mustadio. I will treasure it as I do our friendship. That's so sweet. And resisting the temptation to take it any further and be like, and now they're lovers or, you know, some they become a thing or, or going the other way and have it being some kind of unrequited thing where she has to turn him down or whatever. It's like, just, just no, it's just two people who care about each other, deepening their relationship and whatever their relationship is from here on out can be your own headcanon or can be ambiguous. It's if they were real people, it's their business and not any of the rest of ours. But I, I find the scene, as I've said a few times now, remarkably sweet and that it walks that line that we talked about before with Celeste and Final Fantasy VI of like, it's also okay to, after all the battles, want to be able to put that aside and just look nice and... We would say unplug, but that's a weird metaphor to use in a world <laughs> sure. where there are no plugs. <laughs> All right, and the last optional scene that we're going to do is the most important. And while it's definitely optional, it adds crucial context to later scenes. And so it's one we definitely want to tackle and I think leads us nicely back into our sort of main storyline as we can get kind of back on track and away from the side quests. And this chapter is titled Reunion with Ovelia. So Ovelia is out at that ruined chapel again. She spends a lot of time out there, yeah. uh, away from her throne, I guess. And a familiar voice, it says... Uh, addresses her as my lady and she she gets up and she looks around and it's Agraeus and uh, Lavian and Alicia assuming you've still got him in the party will also be here and and Agraeus kneels and and the other two do as well and Agraeus says pray forgive the late hour of our coming so I I, I kind of get the impression that they snuck in you know yeah or, or at yeah. least that it's it's not quite authorized right so Ovelia is just excited to see Agraeus again. Yeah, she that's said, so sweet. Yeah, and she says, you know, I have no way of reaching you, and I'd feared the worst. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you're, you're all right. Please rise. And so uh, they stand up. And Agraeus explains that uh, she's been traveling with Ramza, uh, that he assisted her, and now she's, you know, they're fighting together to try to right the wrongs of Ivalis. And Ovelia says... Please stay. You know, I've, I've missed you. I need my shield now more than ever. Will mm. you stay, please? Mm. And Agraeus says, My apologies, your majesty. I cannot tarry here, though it pains me to leave. There are nefarious forces afoot who would take the helm of Ivalis and steer her to the doom of all. 
A darkness falls upon the realm, my lady, and it is but a matter of time before we are consumed by it. To turn a blind eye to this is to forsake the hallowed oath I swore, to defend this kingdom at the peril of my life. My sword is sworn to you as well, and I mean for it to serve. Your safety requires that this plot be stopped. It is not lightly that I abandon duty, but only for the love I bear you and our kingdom. I can but pray that you forgive me, Highness. Damn. Yeah, so in a way she's saying that if I don't do this, I've failed you anyway. Right. And so we talked about, uh, you know, Sir Elise perhaps giving up his his honor for money, even though what he was doing was sort of committing, you know, dying by suicide by friend's sword, I guess. Right. So this is a grayest, like trying to figure out the the best way to fulfill all her oaths. Right. And then Delita arrives. He strides into the courtyard like he owns the place, which not quite, but, yeah. but definitely with confidence. And he says, you're fond of this place, aren't you, Ovelia? And it's like, yeah, she's devout, dude. You've seen her here several times. Yeah. Uh, and he addresses Agraeus, and Agraeus is not pleased with the, with the familiar way that uh, Delita is speaking to Ovelia. Yeah. But Ovelia says it's all right, because they have an understanding now, right? Ovelia and Delita do. Uh, so Agraeus lets it go, but he says to Delita, Would that I had not to beg favors of such as you. Because remember, when she met Delita, Delita was kidnapping Ovelia. Right. But, she says, fate is not so kind. Responsibility for the well-being of Her Majesty, the Princess, rests in my hands. But at present, my hands toil toward another purpose. It is not without reluctance that I put my faith in you, but the choice is made for me. Please, let no harm come to Lady Ovelia. Uh, And Delita says, I will keep her safe. And Agraeus says, I shall trust your words. Should aught befall her highness, know that my vengeance and your death will be swift. Hear, hear. And that's how your shield should speak. Avelia scolds her. But still, I mean, what do you think she was going to say? Just, you know, look. Uh, I'm, I'm real torn here. I'd really rather stay and protect the princess. But if the whole kingdom is about to succumb to these demon beasts of ancient myth or not so myth (laughs) well as you said there's various definitions of that word but yeah this is uh she's in a tough spot here she doesn't know this guy and yeah you know delita and ovelia have been sharing long conversations and walks through the courtyard and He's saved her life a couple of times now, so she trusts him. But there's no reason for Agraeus to trust Delita. And so it all makes sense, but the, the, the tensions are high. And, and then Agraeus literally cuts the tensions with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she... she uh, that was good. That was good. I was just going to leave it there. Okay. Just just give it a, a bare acknowledgement and move on. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I clearly needed more than that. You you should know that I need more than that. <laughs> so Agraeus gifts Ovelia a knife. She says, I want you to carry this, though I hope with all my heart you need not use it. And Alita says, having a knife for protection may not be a bad idea. 
So Ovelia takes it and thanks Agraeus. And Agraeus and Lavian and Alicia uh, all kneel. And Agraeus says, And now I must take my leave. And Ovelia, being the pious sort, Father, yeah. watch over you. Yeah. The, may the force know, be with you. May the power protect you. So on and so and, forth. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> and Agraeus makes a promise, which uh, we all know in, in epic fantasy literature is a terrible idea. She says, I promise right. this. When all is done, I shall return to you. Until such time, pray be safe. So getting back to the story at large, we actually pick up in the exact same place we were just talking about, but at a different time, probably a little bit earlier, again, giving us context for the development of the relationship between Delita and Ovelia. They're out in the courtyard in Zeltenia having a conversation. So Delita is thinking about his sister, Titra, and he hears uh, an odd noise. And so he goes out to the, to the little courtyard area and he sees Ovelia trying to do that thing with the blade of grass. Yeah. Uh, it, it's nice that this comes up again. I love it keeps coming back, yeah. It's also a common thread, as I was talking about before, it's something shared by the young rebels, all the people who were like 22 or younger, you know, who didn't really experience the last war. They grew up at the same time. A lot of them grew up together. It's Alma, Ramza, Titra, Delita, Ovelia, people of that age, right? And, and I love that it's something that they all do. So he says, you know that trick too, making a whistle of a blade of grass. He walks over to, I guess it's a tree, so maybe there are leaves. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't matter that much, but he yeah. plucks one for himself. And Ovelia says, a friend taught me, referring to Alma, uh, when I was living at the monastery. I can never seem to make it work, though. And so he shows her. He's like, here, like this. And he does it, and it's a more protracted whistling sound. And she tries again, and it's real short. And he shows her again, and she tries again. And then she gets it, and she's excited. Yeah. And it's the wisdom of Barbaneth Bale. Remember the cutscene we played however many episodes ago? It's... Delita says, do you remember, Ramza, it was your father who taught us how to do this? And so, yeah, it's also the generational passing down of traditions as well. So good. So Ovelia notices a pendant that Delita is wearing. And as we all know, uh, in fantasy epic stories, pendants are potent. Mm -hmm. And she asks about it and he says, I keep it as a remembrance of my sister Titra. She was caught up in the fighting and died. And I'm kind of surprised Ovelia didn't already know that. I guess maybe how would she, but it, it, I don't know. It feels very big to me. And so that, you know, everybody in the War of the Lions wouldn't know about this tragedy that befell Barbaneth Beowulf's ward. I don't know. I, I get it. Like, most people aren't going to care because it's just one more dead commoner, but... Either way, the, the fact that she didn't know is kind of a surprise to me. But uh, Delita says, She died for the nobility's convenience. They used her and cast her away, and for that I cannot forgive them. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I shall not let them deal to you the same fate they dealt to her. I will protect you from aught and all who would use you. Which, compared to what we just heard from uh, Agraeus, 
you know, it's very similar, right? They want to yeah. protect her. Yeah. And I also love that hashtag not another Titra has basically become the mantra of both Delita and Ramza since it happened. They they both keep returning to this not again, not that again. So then we finally get back to Ramza, who, if you will recall, is on his way to meet up with Delita at Zeltenia Castle to try to gain more information on what's going on behind the scenes of the War of the Lions. And after a very long journey and a whole bunch of side quests in our version of this, <laughs> he, has, he has reached Zeltenia Castle and has decided first to go to church. A heretic at prayer in a church, passing bold, Ramza. I shall ask it plain. Why has the High Confessor planted you amongst Goltana's men? I see no harm in telling you. Duke Goltana and Count Orlando. I am to assassinate them. <gasps> Groups such as the Corpse Brigade, ill-contented with the Crown and the nobility are in no short supply. The church only fans rebellion's flame. The people tire of war, and their disdain for the crown waxes with each passing day. Of course, Goltana and Lark want to put down the rebellions at home. Only they lack the troops to do so. To break the impasse, they seek to bring an end to the conflict for good and all. Even as we speak, their armies mess at Fort Bessala to that purpose. Then these months of rebellion and unrest, it all goes as the High Confessor had planned. Yes, but it will not end as they have hoped. Larg and Goltana will be assassinated once the battle begins. Cut off one head, and two more spring forth. So naturally, their closest allies must die with them. Count Orlando of the Order of the Southern Sky. Zalbag of the Northern. And of course, Lord Dysodark. With their leaders gone, the fighting will cease, and they will have no choice but to embrace the peace we offer. A peace? or surrender on the Church's terms. The people will proffer to the Church the role of mediator with hands upraised. What's more, the Church will have the Zodiac Braves. But there's the rub. One thing yet remains between the Church and the Aurasite. The heretic, Ramza Beulf. Is that it? You've come to fetch the Aurasite for your masters. I am no hound healing at the church's skirts. I answer to no one but myself. Meaning what? Meaning I would not think twice of killing you, Ramza, should the hour come. But not this day. Though our methods be different, our goals are not. As long as they remain so, you are no enemy of mine. Delita. 
Catholic state, with the High Confessor at its strings. This is their grand plan for Ivalice. And you? Do you not use Ovelia to fulfill your own ambitions? I cannot say. I am sure only of this. To save her life, I would gladly give my own. So I like that Ramza is in a church, right? He's been branded a heretic, but he's in a church. I'm not sure he shows as much piety as Ovelia does, but it's nice that he, you know, he, he continues to believe uh, despite all the horribly negative things about the church, right? Because sometimes we talk about, well, you know, is Final Fantasy anti-religion? I don't think it is, and I've said that before. And, and, I, and I think uh, this goes to show that there is a, a piety outside of the politics of, uh, of a megachurch. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the same way it's not fair to say that Final Fantasy is anti-industry or that Hayao Miyazaki is anti-industry. These are just warnings against the potential corruption of or further exploitation of certain systems and ideas. And certainly... Religion and deeply rooted faith is something that, when corrupted, has a great deal of potential for damage. And, and so, like you said, it's not that, you know, though uh, the, the, we've also talked about how this game also makes an argument in favor of why atheism or non-belief are also legitimate and valid viewpoints. That doesn't mean that it's reaching the conclusion that all religion or all pious people or all believers are silly or ridiculous or bad or any of these other value terms that we might try to put on them, right? I also think it's absolutely fascinating here that for the amount of scheming and things going on behind the scenes that has happened in this story, how much Delita just comes out and starts saying stuff. Just, I'm going yeah. to assassinate these people. I've got no problem killing you if I have to. Like, this is almost, and I'm not, you know, we're going to have a long conversation at the end. I know we keep alluding to some stuff, but honestly, it's going to be complicated even when we get there. But this is the monologue, right? This is the, I'm telling you my master plan. I'm literally just giving it to you. And it's fascinating because... They have this sort of mutual respect, but things have always been terrible between them since the teacher thing. And he says, I would straight up murder you, man, but we have the same goals, so I'm not going to because I'm being incredibly pragmatic right now. And I hope you'll recognize that. And so, man, it, that, that's a great scene. Though it's a little frustrating that the sound mixing is so bad in the War of the Lions version, and it's hard to hear some of what they're saying over the piano music. Just one of a thousand reasons why this game needs to be remastered and re-released. So, now we basically have the setup, right? For the, for the end game. Now we know more, I mean, there's obviously more to be revealed, <laughs> clearly. But, but now at least Ramza feels like, okay, there are... These are the factions, these are the goals, and I need to stake out 
what I intend to do here. One of the things, of course, is continuing to be on the run because he's a heretic and people are going to show up. (laughs) Yep. Everyone's trying to arrest this dude. Right. In addition to the fact that he's still basically just trying to save his sister. That's goal number one. But it's like that line in the West Wing. If I get murdered for being a heretic, then it really doesn't matter what my goal number two is, does it? Exactly. (laughs) So he's got to keep himself alive. And then he's got to rescue his sister. And it was bold of him to try to sneak into the city and talk to his friend. And he is, of course found out and so we hear from outside the church i address the heretic ramza bale you are besieged you will surrender yourself at once that asshole this guy again this it's the confessor my sister kicked his ass a while ago there's a whole (laughs) yeah can't let it go yeah fragile men and so basically, this scene essentially serves to force Delita and Ramza to fight side by side and to, as the Backstreet Boys would say, go playing games with my heart. <laughs> the, the well-known poet philosophers. That's right. The Backstreet because you, Boys. Because they're such a great team and they were such great friends as kids. And their friendship should be the thing if this was a disney movie it would be the bond that surpassed country and religion and all the plots and all the schemes right it would be the thing that would would win out in the end and they've just not been able to repair their friendship since this horrible tragedy but when they're forced to come together, when they have these conversations, you can hear the respect they have for each other. And when they fight together, you can see just they should be together. But the forces of Ivalice keep tearing them apart. It breaks my heart every time. So after the battle, the day one, once again, uh, Delita and Ramza continue their conversation. Uh, Ramza explains, two errands brought me to Zeltenia. The first was to meet with you. The second was to speak with Count Orlando. Uh, he explains, I mean to enlist his aid, exposing the church's intrigues. Delita says, how are you going to do that, old buddy, old friend? Ramza explains, I have powerful evidence of the church's misdeeds, and Delita knows exactly what he's talking about. You mean the scriptures of Germanique. Yes, says Ramza. I spoke with the Count's adopted son, Oran, not long past. He pledged their aid should I bring hard evidence against the church. And then they're joined by a new character. Uh, her name is Balmafra. Uh, and she is... It, first of all, it's interesting that so late in the game we're still being introduced to new players. I was just going to say the exact same thing. I love that. Uh, and her loyalties are interesting. She is, well, I'll, I'll just read it off here. Ramza gets, uh, you know, tense because, hey, I don't know this person. And most people I don't know are, are trying to arrest me and kill me. <laughs> right. The, the leader says, it's all right. She's with me. Malonde has provided several others to help me carry out my task. And she's like, help you. I was sent to keep watch on you. Yeah. And, and Delita, being no short on sass himself, says, 
and a fine job you're doing of it. Yeah. Only she knows our plans in full. I trust her. Uh, I trust no other in Goltana's army more. All right. Uh, so she recognizes Ramza uh, and introduces herself as Volmafra. And uh, Delita's like, so I take it you're not here for idle chat? And she reports that the Northern Order is on the move. And Delita says, ah, they make for Besalat. And Valmafra says, Count Orlando himself has departed for this uh, for the same only just now. Duke Goltana is like to join them soon, at the head of your Black Ram Knights, no less. Then we're too late. The fighting will continue, Delita says. And Ramza says, do not give up yet. I might still convince the Count to avoid this needless bloodshed. Delita says, then our paths part once again. Ramza says, be safe, Delita. And you, Ramza. And Ramza turns and leaves. They shake hands, which is nice. And, yeah. and then Ramza departs. And Valmafra says, you mean to let him go? And this is where I wonder, how much of Delita's plan is an actual plan and how much of it is just sort of rolling with the circumstance and keeping his eyes on the prize, right? I wonder says, that every time he does anything, every time I play this game, up through the very end and we'll obviously get into it deeper but yeah like how much of this did he really have planned out and how much of this was he just flying by the seat of his pants and you know yeah because what he says is ramza acts as i expected he would balmafra says even your friends are only pieces to be played and delita gets angry at that mind your words you know not what you say so Ramza's on the road to Besalid in hopes that he can meet up with the Thunder God, Sidolphus Orlandu, and stop this enormous bloody battle before it happens. And on the road, as again so often happens in this story, he happens upon and or is accosted by some brigands on the road, but this time it's actually a another Knights Templar who... I thought was going to be maybe super important and just is introduced <laughs> and then unintroduced <laughs> and then deintroduced. Re- really the long and short of this scene is that Ramza happens upon a man named Beric, again of the Knights Templar, who is like experimenting with some poison and uses it and it ends up like hurting you for the battle, right? <laughs> In a, from a gameplay perspective. But he also basically reiterates to Ramza what we already know, that the that the High Confessor's plot as head of the church was actually almost painfully simple as far as behind the schemes, <laughs> behind the scenes schemes go. Uh, you know, that he basically just wanted to, to weaken the armies and then poison and kill the leaders of each and then come together and rule and be the new king it's like boring <laughs> like, all right um Barich does give that line that m- many of the templar including isalud gave though right you ought to be happy ramza right. this will mean an end to the war and bloodshed and with that end a new beginning but he does make it very clear that the church's hand shall rule such is the will of the people they clamor for change an end to groveling at highborn heels as though the church wouldn't just become the highborn Right. There's a 
No, I'll do this without spoilers best I can. And I really want people to watch the show, The Orville. And you and I have mm-hmm. talked about it more and more lately. And there's a recent episode where essentially they're debating this utilitarian idea of, you know, sacrificing a few for the, the greater good. And right, if we decide what's the greater good or whatever. And um, of all people, the wisdom of Dolly Parton is employed. Excellent. And there's a Dolly Parton story that, that is told. And at the end of it, she says, and it's great because you've told a story before where Jean-Luc Picard arrives at a very similar conclusion, given like time travel problems and like, you got to do what's right in the here and now, but it's, you know, coming from this English French guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. ordering his Earl Grey tea. And there's something so wonderful and simple about Dolly Parton the end of it some spoilers again and not really for the episode but saying you know you do what's right in the here and now and the rest has a tendency to take care of itself and she just puts it so simply but it's like you 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 keep planning and scheming for what you think is going to be the good future by doing the terrible things in the now and as we've said over and over again on this show and others the now is all you have and so no, don't poison all of the people, you sick f- Yeah. So we kill that guy. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. And then before Ramza's arrival, we pick up at Fort Besselot with Orlando, who is... Again, I love how many times we come in in the middle of something and just through all the context clues and dialogue, we figure out right away because we're in the middle of a conversation. Clearly here, Orlando is protesting. He says, I plotting against the Duke. Are you mad? Which is strange because the last time we saw him was a scene where he and his adoptive son were having a conversation and he chastised Oran for hinting at maybe the possibility that the Duke might not know what he's doing. And so now Orlando is being accused of not being loyal? What in the world? Really? And and the the only disagreement we've seen between Orlando uh, and the Duke is that he suggested, hey, maybe we should stop this war. Not, right. hey, you're wrong, or hey, you got to do it my way. Just, this is what I've learned in the last 60-some years of life. This is what I learned from the 50 years war. And here's why I think we ought to do it this way instead. And he was brushed back and he, you know, he's still loyal to this guy. Right. But Sid's having a back and forth with this knight and Goltana enters the room and everyone kneels and Goltana says, I'm gravely disappointed in you, Sid. And, and Sid's going, surely you cannot mean that, your grace. I am no turncloak. I am your most loyal man, which we know to be true. And Goltana sort of walks around to the other side of the room. And he says, the proof speaks otherwise. It seems you have been in league with members of the church, working secretly to see me ousted from my rightful seat. So we know that there are members of the church working secretly to oust him from his seat. Uh-huh. But it's not Sid. But it ain't Sid. He says, again, that this is absurd. From what lying blackguard did you hear such reverie? He's really turning up the 
Shakespeare in his defense. He's getting <laughs> especially unhappy as Orlando. And Goltana says, my information comes from the high confessor himself. You can imagine his distress upon learning of the plot. And we know that the high confessor is plotting against Goltana and Larg. So now this is all twisted up and we're just sitting here. This is You were talking about dramatic irony last episode. You're screaming at the television at this point like, no, all of this is wrong. But some of it is also right. (laughs) (laughs) So they're fighting. There's a lot of back and forth, but essentially it's just pleading and I don't believe you, but believe me, but I don't believe you. And after all of that, they just arrest Orlando and take him away. And then Delita enters the room along with Volmafra. Sounds like a yeah. Godzilla monster. Yeah, you said yeah. Valmafra. Yeah. And, you know, says, you summoned your grace. And Goltana says, I want you to maintain your contact with Melande. Once the confessional rescript is in my hands, Larg is as good as defeated. It's like he's still fighting the first war. We're like five wars past you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. And Delita says, fear not, your grace. The high confessor's mind is most firm on that account. Um, and then, Goltana does this, because there is another matter as well. I am placing the Order of the Southern Sky under your leadership, because I just arrested the last guy. Right. Henceforth, you are a knight devout. You just gave him Orlando's job, just like that. Yeah. And, and the power he seems to want, right? In order to protect Ovelia, the more power he has yeah. in order to burn all this down... The more yeah. power he has. Yeah. Yeah. So Delita says, you grant me an honor far beyond my due. And Goltana says, I expect I shall not regret it. I place my full and utter confidence in you, Delita. You and you alone. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now all of our scenes and heroes and villains and myriad of people occupying all kinds of gray space in between are converging on Fort Bessalon, right? So Ramza is arriving on the scene and is sort of met by the outermost guards right out at the gates and starts to plea with them saying, you know, we're, we're not of the Northern sky. We're not here to fight. We're not here about the war. We come under a banner of a white flag and we are here to talk to Count Orlando, who he did not know just got arrested for being a traitor. Right. <laughs> so the knight in charge here goes, oh, more traitors. <laughs> like, oh, no. Basically says, yeah, we just arrested that guy and we're going to throw you in the dungeons too. Because clearly, and it actually doesn't look great. It's like, oh, his co-conspirators have arrived. <laughs> it's kind of on the surface level. Like, oh, yeah, we're here to meet with him in secret. Why? <laughs> Damn it. (laughs) Nothing? It looks bad, doesn't it? Jeez. But because we have the video game controller in our hands, we beat those guys and win that fight. And Ramza can continue to try to move toward now rescuing. He thought he was just coming here to talk to Orlando. Now apparently he's going to have to go rescue the guy. And I think he still thinks he can stop this fight. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, good on him. Right. There was poison... There's going to be a big fight. Both armies are going to be decimated and the church is going to take control and Ramza is going to make sure that doesn't happen, right? Right. Right, Drew? 
Right. <laughs> oh, man. That's what's going to happen. Here we go. So the next scene we get, we pick up where Dice Darg and Zalbog of House Bales are preparing for, or were preparing for, this big battle. But the plot that we learned of from Barrich and the poison is unfolding before our very eyes, and we just see a bunch of people lying about the place, dead and or dying of this poison. So Dice Darg says to his younger but middle brother, Zalbog, they have befouled the air, a poison extracted from moss fungus spores. Falls for a moment, Zalbog, Lord Brother, and you know, they're kind of hanging on here, and Dice Darg says, I will be well, I will be well, I worry only for the Duke, where is he? And Zalbog essentially says, I don't know, I haven't been able to find him. And then they hear his voice from off in the distance. Zalbog, Dice Darg, I am here. They they rush to... So they find Larg just huddled in a corner against like a, a wall, coughing up blood. And they run to his side. And Zalbog is, you know... Just beside himself. Excellency, are you harmed? Someone, summon an apothecary at once. Dice Dark says, do you feel well, Excellency? And Larg says, my head. It is though it were split in twain. But I do not think it's serious. I just need some time. And then Dice Dark says, most unfortunate. Ooh, here we go. And Lark says, what? And then, in about two seconds, Dice Darg unsheathes a dagger and stabs Larg right in the chest. And yeah. Yeah. Larg and Zalbog are shocked. The rest of us, not so much. Yeah. And Zalbog protests. He says, what are, what are you doing? What have you done? And Dice Dark just says, be silent, brother. And I like the detail that he just sort of pushes the blade in a little deeper. Uh, and then Larg says, I guess doing all he can now to leave one last bit of poison because he knows he's done. But he says, you betrayed me? You killed your father to... To gain control of your house, and now you have killed me? Like, yeah, dude. If guy was able to do that, what makes you think he wasn't able to betray you? But that is the bit I was shocked by here. Not that Dice Dark right. would kill Duke Larg. Clearly he would do that. But I'm, even to this day, it's like, how could you? Yeah. You poisoned Barbaneth. I'm... So, so we don't know, right? But my, my headcanon, my supposition, my guess is that Barbaneth saw this in Dice Darg. Barbaneth knew what his eldest son was like and maybe wasn't prepared to allow Dice Darg to remain his heir. Ah. Uh, maybe. That, make, that makes some sense, yeah. And, and if not that, then maybe just, well, the old man's been hanging on for a long time. 
maybe maybe right. it's my turn now. Like it's it's one of those things, right? Right. So so I don't know for sure, but that's those are the the two th- those are the two thoughts I have on the matter. Right. So Zalbog, who we have seen do some terrible things. Remember he directly ordered, even though he was following his brother's orders, still he was the man on the scene who told Argoth to shoot Titra and have her killed. But still Zalbog appears to have found a line that he's not sure he can cross. And he's now in an argument with his brother and he says, is this poison your work as well? Dystark says, no, it is a gift to those who would see House Baelv take center stage. So so he thinks all of this isn't to weaken both sides, but just to help him. Right. Dystark thinks he's the hero of the story. Ugh. So Zalbog says, why do this? And Dystark does not answer, and he just says, Duke Larg was slain in battle. It is now left to House Baelv to carry out his wishes. Zalbog says, this... You you go too far. And Dystarg is no longer arguing with his brother. He's just giving orders. He says, this dagger, place it among the corpses. They were assassins, sent by the Southern Order. You understand me, yes? And then Dystarg collapses. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Feel free to let us know what we missed, got wrong, or should have mentioned by hitting us up on Twitter at FFWeeklyPod, or you can leave a comment right here on the Patreon page. Thank you all for being patrons, and for more Final Fantasy content, also a whole bunch of other video game content, and coming very, very soon, a whole Lord of the Rings series of podcasts on the original movies and then hopefully soon the television show, make sure to check out patreon.com slash dcproductions.